the message today, as I said earlier, is going to focus on verses 5 through 7 in 1 John, but I do want us to read the first four verses to remind us of what's taking place here in this book of 1 John. So I'll read from verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. A reminder from the message last week. As this book opens, the Apostle John begins by declaring to us who the Lord Jesus is. That He is the Word of life. The Word of life. It's that same word that spoke all of the worlds into existence. And it's the same all-powerful speaking voice of God that still day-to-day pours forth speech into all the world, declaring who God is and calling men and women to Himself. And then as we learn from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, this speaking voice of God the Lord Jesus came down to be with us in the flesh and to dwell among us for a season. He tells us that again in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to us to do as The prophet Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years earlier declaring that the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This speaking voice of God, the Lord Jesus, came as, we're told here, the Word of life. He came as the Word of life to walk among us and to proclaim a clear and plain message to all the people of the earth saying that He alone is the way and the truth and the life and that no one can come to the Father except through Him. There in those precious words of John 14 6 Jesus told us a mystery a truth that no other person is able to say he told us that he not only knows the way the truth and the life and how you and I are able to receive it but he himself actually is 
the way, the truth, and the life. And that there is no other pathway to the Father. There is no other pathway to salvation. There is no other pathway to heaven except through Him. And that's why those words in 1 John 5 are so emphatic where it's said of Jesus, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You know, folks, there are a lot of well-meaning people out there who do not believe those words. They believe and they proclaim to anyone who will listen that there are other ways of getting to God, other ways of getting to heaven, that most all of our religions will eventually lead to the same end. But that is not so. That is not so. And you and I have to be committed to knowing that that is not so. There is no other way to get to the Father except the Lord Jesus. And woe be unto anyone who says different. Woe be unto anyone who would follow after those people in their foolish ways. The testimony is this, and it's pure and simple, that God has given us eternal life And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus really is the only way, the truth, and the life. And that's the message that He's bringing to us. Listen again to the words that we'll focus on today. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. This message that Jesus brings by telling us that God is light and in Him there is no darkness. This word light has meaning, has significance like no other especially when it's used as it is here in this context of who God is. Light is part of the essence of God's glory. Light is part of the essence of His divine glory. One Bible commentator tells us that in describing God as light, John is referring to His, to God's absolute moral purity an omniscience. In other words, there is no moral defect, nor is there a lack of knowledge in God. John's point seems to be that the person and work of Christ, which is announced here in this gospel message, He is the light that brings us into fellowship with God and with the light of God. This is consistent with what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, For God said, Let light shine out of darkness... It has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This commentator goes on to say, in Psalm 119.05, where we're told the Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's Word is described as light, but that is especially so of the Gospel. The Gospel is the light that reveals God in His fullness in His Son and brings us into fellowship with Him. 
this light, this commentator is saying, brings us into the light of God the Father. Now this commentator goes on to say, John's description of God as light in whom there is no darkness at all undergirds the fact of his utter differentness, separateness from us, his fallen creatures who exist in this darkness. The critical link for fellowship between creatures of the darkness and a creator who exists in absolute light is the light who came into the world, the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus. Without Christ, we remain in a state of darkness and alienated from the life of God. I want us to think through this condition, and I'm going to talk about that now, where we walk in a form of darkness and the only light that we can trust will come from the Lord Jesus to bring us into the light of God the Father. I want to add to this commentator's words. Imagine living your entire life where there is no light of any kind. That's hard to imagine, but try for a moment. In that darkness, neither you or anyone else can see anyone or anything and can know anything about each other because that's what light does. It gives us a vision into who other people are. And darkness conceals critical information and knowledge about other people. Now he's using these words darkness and light, but especially darkness as a kind of spiritual metaphor because in the darkness of this world, have you noticed that some people, as you talk with them, you know that you're only getting part of an answer. You're only hearing part of who they are. They never quite reveal themselves to you for one reason or another. That's this darkness. This darkness that God's describing here, it's a form of blindness that's within men's souls. A darkness that's very deep and difficult and and evil. Evil beyond human knowledge and understanding. And unfortunately for us, this darkness, this blindness, is a condition of soul that none of us have a choice in. It comes to us by nature. We're born into it. And there are no exceptions. No exceptions. Every person since Adam and Eve, except the Lord Jesus, has been born into that darkness. Now I want to say what I just got through saying again. I want to repeat it. So bear with me. In a very real and literal sense, there truly is a mysterious kind of darkness that exists all around us in this world that we live in. A strange and inexplicable kind of darkness. A darkness that the ordinary mind can't even begin to perceive is present. We look around us. We think we see. But we're only seeing what the natural light brings to us. Not the light of Christ, not the light of God. And so we don't really see what's taking place around us and in the hearts of men. This darkness is so pervasive, covering over and enshrouding the minds and the souls and the spirits of all the people and all the activities that exist on the earth. And it's not like the nighttime darkness. The darkness that exists that I'm speaking about, that God is talking about here, has a nature all its own. That's hard for us to imagine. 
but it actually has a nature and a personality all all of its own. A nature that seeks to reach into and to invade and to dominate and to control everything that takes place within every heart and every soul that resides within that darkness. The things people think, and I'm talking about you and me, it reaches in to control what we think, what we say, the things that we do. And the nature of that darkness truly is evil. So very evil. Evil beyond anything we can understand. It's insidious and demanding and controlling. And again, strangely, though this darkness is so complete, so pervasive, and has such dominance and control, its presence, for the most part, goes almost completely unnoticed by all the residents within it. It's utterly imperceptible to the ordinary senses. Think about what I'm saying. Because that's what we walk through every day. There's a kind of darkness that prevails. My thoughts go to animals that are described as nocturnal. Their eyes are so especially suited to seeing within the darkness that they can actually see better in the darkness than they can in the light. Darkness is their normal. And it's also said that light actually hurts their eyes, these nocturnal animals. It hurts their eyes. And because of that, they only come out after dark. And perhaps the same kind of explanation can be given regarding ordinary people as we live and move and have our being within this special kind of darkness. We've become accustomed to that darkness. And the light hurts our eyes, causing us to try to stay away from it. And let me say that that may be the reason why so many of these pews are empty today. The light hurts people's eyes. And so they stay home. They don't want to have the light reveal anything to them. The strange darkness of this world truly has become our normal. As I mentioned a moment ago, that is why so much of our country has deteriorated in its spiritual devotion to Christ. We're becoming a godless nation because people do not want to come into this light. This darkness is their new normal. They, and unfortunately, even us who know the Lord, we don't even realize the darkness is all around us. For those who don't know Christ, and that is most all of the people of this world, they'll live their whole lives and they'll die within this special darkness, never knowing that they lived the entire life existence within this sea of darkness. They will have lived all of their life in the darkness and never know it. So how did it get so dark? How did this all take place? Let me remind us. Because these Scriptures tell us that it started right from the beginning, the first moment that man took his place in this world. Because in the beginning, God gave His light and it was a very special kind of light. It was a perfect light. And it existed in all the days of Adam and Eve until they fell. There was no form of darkness 
except for the night time. But then there came a day when this master of real darkness, Satan, came along with his beguiling ways and Adam and Eve then chose to follow after him into his darkness. And it was from that beginning that men became what these scriptures call in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, sons of disobedience. We became sons of disobedience. And it was within that disobedience that real darkness was able to prevail. And it became an ever-present darkness. An ever-present darkness that descended upon the souls of men and into the souls of men. And everything changed. As that darkness descended and took control over the minds of men, they began to devise their own explanations for their conditions and for the conditions around them. And in particular, and we can see it so well today, mankind chose the pathway of intellect and human logic for all of their understanding, describing their behaviors as psychological problems rather than sin, explaining away with intellect and human knowledge anything that God was trying to reveal to them by the light. It's funny as we think about this intellect and human logic, it is one thing that's very visible within that ever-present darkness. With their human intellect and human logic, men have been able to believe and buy into this concept that everything within the dark world is only natural and it's not spiritual. You know what that has done? That has provided Satan and his demonic kingdom a perfect hiding place a perfect hiding place. They hide in plain view within the recesses of this ever-present darkness. And they continue to do as they did with Adam and Eve to beguile the hapless souls of men and lead us astray. They're right here all around us and yet we can't see them because we don't let enough of the light of Christ into the darkness that we have become accustomed to. Another thought that came to me as I pondered this. Unfortunately for the souls of ordinary men, this sort of perception and rational thinking that sees nothing beyond the rational and beyond the natural existing outside of our ordinary senses, it provides comfort. It provides comfort for the average person. Because in the natural there are no eternal Consequences, no eternal accountability. You know what it reminds me of? I've mentioned this before, but it's a, a good analogy, a good metaphor. It's like the proverbial frog who comfortably lives out his final moments as the water in the pot warms up. That's what takes place with all the people who live and are at least to some degree comfortable within that ever-present darkness. They're provided with a form of comfort as they while away the last moments of their life in a sea of sinfulness. Jesus said in John 3 that men love darkness. That's a strange statement, but it's true. 
we can see it taking place, but it's the absolute truth because Jesus said it. Listen to this. This is John 3, beginning in verse 19. This is a judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. There's something within us that says I like to stay over in the darkness because I don't want anyone to see who I really am and the things that I do. So simple men love darkness. But thanks be to God, all that can be different because He is loving and He is merciful. And He has not left us to flounder and to suffer eternally in this ever-present darkness all around us. He sent a light. That's what these words tell us. He sent a light into our dark world. The Lord Jesus, He's the light of the world. We're told in John 8, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. He who follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Think about that now. The darkness is all around us. And if we will follow the light of Jesus as He's saying here, we'll be able to walk in this dark world and we'll be able to see things that the rest of the world cannot see. Right now, you are able to see things that the rest of the world cannot see. The unbelieving world. They cannot see the things that you see. They don't know why you think one way and they think another. It's because you have reached for this light. Jesus is the ever-present light that dispels the ever-present darkness. Here in this message that John is declaring to us, Jesus brought us this precious light and it's ours if we want it. If we want it. And this message clearly declares that we have to want it. We have to receive it. Listen to these words again. Listen to the implication within them. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But here's the response that you and I have to have. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, this is us receiving what He has brought to us and following out after Him. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sins. That's the response. You and I, He's saying, must turn from living within and walking within that darkness and being comfortable within it and to begin walking in His light. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It's time to close for today. But the Lord willing, next week, I want us to spend time knowing what God means when He talks to us or when He calls to us to walk in the light. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.